be inspired to love life, to achieve extraordinary feats, and to change the world around you for the better. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott. Here we take a journey to the stars with the incredible Cole Mabry. Astronomy is one of the oldest revered professions known to man and Cole's connection with the sky and the planets that surround us has been a lifelong love affair for him that's taken him to extraordinary places. This is Cole's second story. Welcome back to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story. We're back again with Cole Mabry and this week we're going to talk about what he does best which is astronomical work and we're welcoming his story to talk about his journey and loving his life as his interest in spreading the word of the stars so dad share your story and the love that you've had with the stars through i think we should start i believe with 1969 tell the audience what happened that was significant for you in 1969? Well, of course, I just started my own company and three weeks after I started it on the 20th of July, a man was going to land on the moon and to walk on the moon. And so I decided in celebration I'd take the day off. So I had the first day off and I gathered the children and we all sat down to watch it, but it droned on and on and on. And it seems like the men who had landed on the moon, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, had been supposed to have a sleep, but that there was no way in the world they could sleep when they're standing on the moon or their landing craft is standing on the moon. I'll paint a picture here. At that time, I was six. We lived in Abermaine, New South Wales, Hunter Valley, Australia, and I would have been with my elder sister when you talk about children, Kim, and she would have been about eight. So how old were you then, Dad? Uh, Well, I would have been 31. 31. So you're a young dad, and we had a house in Armadale Street, as I remember, in Abermain. So this is, you know, sort of big country, New South Wales, in the Hunter Valley, a, a little bit cold, and we weren't at school. So we had a day off at school. You had the day off to watch this, and we would have been in black and white TV, Yes, middle of the day, I remember. And this would have been a pretty exciting world event, obviously. The whole world excited that there's going to be a moon landing and it's televised. How exciting is that? 600 million people watched it. Wow. And it was a fascinating thing. Just before Neil Armstrong, after he came out of the door and started down the, uh, the ladder, there was a knock on our door and it was my father. And I called him to come in and I said, quick, quick, Dad, come in and sit down. He's just going to walk on the moon. And he came down the ladder and he uttered those immortal words of, it is only a small step for a man, but it is a giant leap for mankind. And it was. Certainly, (laughs) certainly a giant leap for mankind. And for you, Cole Mabry, it tweaked an interest in stargazing. Yes, but also I realised how far we had come, we humans, because my father, who was 67 at the time, had been born before man flew, and he was born in 1902, and the first flight by by the Wright brothers 
was in 1903 and it was 120 metres and here he was 67 years later watching a man step onto the moon 400,000 kilometres from Earth. Magnificent feat and unbelievable that we could have transgressed so far in such a short amount of time with humans. It's rapid when you think of it in those terms, isn't it? A rapid mm. change in society and in technology and in in man's thinking and vision. Yes. Wow. Yes. And the vision, when you think of it in those terms, in time, how did we get that far? Well, it was John F. Kennedy. He said, we will put a man on the moon in 10 years' time, in this decade. Yeah. And then he turned to his advisors and said, is it possible and they said, if we get the money, yeah, and, Mr. And President. Unfortunately, he didn't. He gave the money, yes, to the money, but he didn't get to see it. No. But Cole Mabry did. Yes. And and his father, Jim Mabry, did. And and his daughter, because I saw it too. And so, and many of, obviously, the audience here did. Wow. So here you are watching the men land on the moon. And so you decide from there that you want to watch the stars and the moons and share that with the world. Yes, and I got in touch with a, a mob called Tasco, and they sold telescopes, and I bought a telescope and started to use it myself and taught myself the rudiments of astronomy and then get, went on further and further. Want to keep the conversation going and connect with like-minded, positive people, changing our world for the better? Be inspired by fellow changemakers and join our closed Facebook community to keep the conversation going. Search Love Your Life, Tell Your Story now. So tell me the story about the telescope, Dad. You purchased one telescope. What happened from there? I purchased one telescope and then I looked around to find if there were any organisations that catered for people doing that. But I had to teach myself how to use it first and I did teach myself how to use it. I read a lot about it, particularly off the net. I used a planisphere. A planisphere is a wonderful instrument. It's an old one. It came out hundreds of years ago, but it's a pattern on a circular disc and you can turn it round to a particular time and date and you can see the stars as they appear in constellations in the sky in any direction. You can look to east, west, south and north and you can um, pick it out. And I did that. It took hours and hours to get to know at least, I know at least um, 75 or 80, 80 um, constellations. There are 88 all told. Some of them are not visible to us here in, uh, in the southern hemisphere. They're way up north, but um, most of them I learned and the major stars so that I can pick them out in the particular area. And how many people do you think you've actually taught how to use a telescope? Oh, it's hard to know because I ran a radio program for 15 years. I trained many people. I realised that if I wanted to sell telescopes, and I did, they were good money, they made good profit, I would have to run classes. So I ran classes every Tuesday night. You could come in for an hour or an hour and a half and so on, and I would run the uh, the class and on a whiteboard and describe what was going on and how to do it and that sort of thing. And so I learned and they learned. And I joined the Astronomical Society, which was a fledgling organisation, and uh, we got on well together. We did lots of demonstrations up at Nobby's and um, up 
up on the obelisk and um, all, all over the place. We had a great time. And so this interest from the man landing on the moon from when you were in your 30s, where has it taken you? Oh, it's taken me all over the world. I've got friends all over the world that uh, communicate according to things that are related to the skies. One of the best is Snywa Goodmanson from Iceland. I, I was on the radio and I thought it'd be good to talk to someone from overseas who's interested in astronomy. And I thought Iceland is about the furthest country away from us. It's way up north. We're way down south. Um, it's on the opposite side of the world. So I rang the university there and spoke to a professor and the professor said, no, I'm too busy to talk to you, but I know exactly the man who would and that was Snywa. And we became friends and we've met different times. I've been over to his place, he's been over to mine. We've stayed together and we've gone all the way through. And he's a brilliant astronomer. He actually searches out planets that are orbiting distant stars that are out of our um, solar system and so consequently they're very far removed from his beautiful observatory in Hafner Fyodor in Iceland and I've stayed there and used that telescope. Wonderful stuff. And I believe that you also do a bit of eclipse chasing as well. Well, I've been to five eclipses. Yes. Two in Australia, one in Turkey, one in China, one in um, America. And I'm looking forward to this one that's coming up now on the 20th of April over at Northwest Cape in uh, Western Australia. And how will you get there? We're going to drive across. A friend and I will just drive across and go to see it. And he's been with me through these others that we've journeyed to. In fact, he's a wonderful organiser. Lou Pagano, and um, he organises trips to these um, eclipses. So tell, can you tell me a story about one of your eclipse adventures? Oh, well, the first one I ever went to was at Sejuna, South Australia, and we travelled five days in a bus to get there, and we watched the eclipse. And, and one of the weird things, Kathleen, I just happened to have the camera, and at the last minute I pulled it up and took a photograph, and the photograph was awarded to go into the NASA album for that particular eclipse. So so NASA has been very interested in your journey with the astronomical work. I believe that um, you've written a number of articles, in fact, probably thousands of articles that have been published, yes. both here in the Hunter and if we Google search you, Dad, Google likes you a lot. <laughs> So you come up quite a bit with Google, and Google can be sometimes inaccurate, but with you it seems to have a lot of um, interest in you. You're certainly um, quite interesting on the search engine. Um, also, I know that you had a bit of a story to tell about what happened with Mars and naming a hill, I believe, on Mars. Can you tell me about that? I think the listeners would be very interested in knowing how you put a hill on Mars and connected it with our own town here in Newcastle. Well, it came about because I saw that they had launched a new rover to land on Mars and it landed satisfactorily. It was called Opportunity and it started trundling across the deserts of Mars and inspecting things as it went. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'll see if I can go further. And I noticed it was heading towards a giant crater 
a crater 22 kilometres across and the result of some asteroid striking Mars millions of years ago. And it was called the Endeavour Crater. And I thought, Endeavour? Why Endeavour? Cook, cook ship straight away, you know? And I always remembered Cook's journal about seeing Newcastle and seeing Nobbies. So I looked it up and sure enough he'd named Nobbies, or I think he named Nobbies, after his midshipman Clark. All Clarks were called Nobby. And so I did a bit more research and I realised that this rover is going to run right into the crater. When I went in further and looked up further things of NASA, I found that it had names like Byron Bay and Cape York and things like that. Things that came from Cook's journal and his voyage up the coast of, um, of Australia. And so I thought, why can't they name something Nobby's head? So... <laughs> So I wrote to uh, a guy I knew there, Guy his name was, and I wrote to Guy and, in an email and said, look, Cook named this this um, little promontory. Could you name that? Or could I name that on a little hill on Mars? And he sent back, first off, a year went by and nothing happened. So I rang him. I had found his phone number and I rang him and I said, why not? He said, we lost your email, Cole. We were hoping that... Oh, that's why you didn't hear from him, because you lost your email. (laughs) And he said, uh, yes, certainly we can. Which one would you like? And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to name something on Mars. And I found a little hill and I named it Nobby's Head. And so it's Nobby's Head on Mars. And Opportunity ended up going there, I think, helpfully when they they knew that I'd named it sort of thing to see if it could winter there because of the cold winds and the lack of sunlight and that sort of thing but there was it was too exposed so it went on to Salander Point and it stayed there for the winter. And I believe that they've also added the Indigenous name as well. Yes, Waibagamba is the Aboriginal name and so consequently that was put on it as well. I asked them to do that. So well done. So it has both Nobbies and the Indigenous. So that's wonderful that you did that too. So that's something to a legacy that you've done to add that on Mars and Mm. that you have that communication with NASA is is fabulous too. So to have that stemming from your experience from watching the man land on the moon and the people that have an interest in astronomy because of your tutorage, how many people do you think that do have an interest because you've taught them how to? Oh, hundreds, thousands. Thousands. It'd be very hard to know. I wrote a column for the Maitland Mercury for um, 15 years and I was on radio five days a week for around about 15, 16 years. And yeah. do those people keep in contact with you? Oh, yes. And, of course, you had your observatory on your property at Curry Curry at Frog Hollow until you sold that two years ago. Do you still go to Frog Hollow? I'm going up there on Saturday night. This, so th- this Saturday night because there's a comet going past Mars. So we'll go up to see that with the people who had, who bought the property and are living there now. The new purchases allow you to go there too? Yes. To use the, use the conservatory? They asked me to go. Yeah, they asked me to go. Okay, so you keep your interest there. Mm. And with the eclipse, you plan this eclipse and to the next eclipse as well? Well, I'd like to go to the next eclipse because it crosses right across America. It starts off in Texas and goes up and into uh, Canada and then into the Atlantic Ocean. So it's a 
It's a marvellous eclipse. Are you from a company that wants to connect with thought leaders from across the globe featured on the Love Your Life, Tell Your Story podcast? Email Kathleen at KathleenMarriott.com.au In the theme of loving your life and telling your story as this podcast is, do you think having this love of astronomy has given you a purpose? Oh, definitely. Giving me a lot of heartaches too, trying to find the money and yes, <laughs> and the things that go wrong. Yeah, like I'll give you an example. One time, we arranged that we we're going to see Pluto because Pluto, for a for a short amount of time, would be visible from Newcastle. So I arranged that we would have it at the Frog Pond down near Nobby's, and we were going down. And when we got to Hexham, it started to rain, and I said, "Well, that finishes that, Demacia." Let's go to the movies. So and we Marcia the movies. is your late wife. Late wife. And uh, we went to the movies. A thousand people turned up. Oh, no. <laughs> so everybody turned up and you weren't and there. There was no <laughs> rain. They were saying, no, 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 there wasn't any rain. Oh, no. So I don't know how it came to be raining at, at Hexham and we just deviated and went to Charlestown to the movies. So the star of the show didn't turn up, didn't but turn everybody up. else did. Mm. So how did the audience that you had, a thousand people, how did they take that? I think there were talks about lynching and <laughs> hanging, things like that. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. So maybe they understood. So having this love in your life, a purpose that you had threaded through your life and and gave a lot of love to other people as a generous, because you were a volunteer all this time and you were never paid for what you did. So it really contributed to a lot of other people's love in their life as well. And you leave a legacy forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, it was a great run and yeah. it's been a long one and it's been very, very interesting, but I've had a lot of heartaches along the way too. Oh, well, it's dedication, we'll isn't it? We all have that. Yeah, so from 1969 to now, so it's been a long love, mm. a very long love, and it continues. So, well, I'll thank you for the from, from the people who have enjoyed your work and have um, gained from it. Well, thank you, Kathleen. You're welcome. Well, keep loving your life and telling your story, Dad, and we'll continue in our next podcast with you, when you bring me another story to talk about, and I'm sure you've got others. We'll see what that is because you get to bring the story by your choice. I don't get to choose the story, but we'll see what that is, and you can surprise me with the next one. Okay. Thank you. See you next time. This is only part of our story. To hear the rest, leap forward to the next podcast and give us five stars wherever you listen. Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott.